0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: I'm Jenna Ellis, and welcome to Just the Truth Podcast, sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not-for-profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law For life, family, and religious liberty. You can find them at thomasmoresociety.org. The state of California has been forced to modify its arbitrary and discriminatory health orders in response to the Supreme Court's recent rulings. According to the California Attorney General's office, the state officially lifted It's all capacity limits on churches, effective today, saying this, quote, in response to recent judicial rulings, effective immediately, location and capacity limits on places of worship are not mandatory, but are strongly recommended. The link to guidance is in the process of being updated. All other restrictions in the guidance remain in place, unquote. The Thomas More Society and the Center for American Liberty are two law firms that have been fighting for religious freedom amid these ridiculous, overbroad, indefinite, and unconstitutional executive branch orders. The Supreme Court Friday reminded the Ninth Circuit and the state of California that it cannot treat churches and religious faith gatherings worse than regular businesses. The First Amendment requires heightened protections for houses of worship and for people of faith. In its ruling Friday, the Supreme Court enjoined California from enforcing its COVID-19 restrictions on private gatherings as applied to at-home prayer meetings. It should be obvious to California by now that their health orders are unconstitutional and they must back off their targeted discrimination of people of faith. Here to discuss tonight is Harmeet Dillon, attorney fighting in California with the Center for American Liberty. She is the founder and CEO and a wonderful, wonderful attorney. So Harmeet, first of all, congratulations for your victorious win on Friday. And so uh, what does this mean for California and for people of faith?
0: Well, thank you so much, Jenna. Over the past year, Center for American Liberty and Thomas Moore and a couple of other small law firms have fought relentlessly for the rights of people of faith, all faiths to be able to go to their house of worship or gather with their fellow co-religionists to pray. But the state has banned that in many regards. And so it took five separate losses at the United States Supreme Court for the state of California to come to today's ruling where they're finally recognizing that they need to step back from these restrictions. But, but think about that throughout this pandemic, the state has described certain people and certain types of businesses as essential and religion was never on their short list of things that are essential. And you and I as people of faith know that it is in a time of crisis like this COVID situation, that faith is the most important. And people have been left bereft without the ability to enjoy this constitutionally protected first amendment, right. And so this is a great day for religious freedom. Uh, We all, the lawyers have all been exchanging text messages and giving thanks to God for today's ruling. But the fight is not over. Uh, As you noted in your intro, the state still has some restrictions on houses of worship, and we're going to continue fighting to uh, put an end to all of them. But this just reminds you how we are only one judge away from tyranny at any given point in our country. And Uh, millions of dollars had to be spent in attorney's fees to reach today's result.
1: Yeah. And that's an absolutely excellent point that we're just one vote away from that. And uh, this was a 5-4 opinion on Uh, a preliminary injunction um, on on something that the Supreme Court, frankly, it should have been nine to zero. So the fact that Chief Justice Roberts was among the minority here and the fact that he wasn't willing to protect people of faith, that this was only a 5-4 opinion, what does that tell you for future uh, holdings in
0: terms of religious freedom? Well, it's very interesting because at the beginning half of this pandemic, uh, Center for American Liberty filed Gish versus Newsom Our friends in the case we joined uh, filed South Bay versus Newsom, and then we filed this most recent case. But in the first rounds, when these cases, uh, first of all, we lost these cases in the trial court. Then we immediately appealed them to the Ninth Circuit. We largely lost those cases in the Ninth Circuit. Then we appealed them to the United States Supreme Court. And initially, the United States Supreme Court was not friendly to these cases and rejected them. So it's only after we got Justice uh, Barrett on the bench that we began to see the tide turning. And so what this means is when you see the current push to pack the court or for uh, a justice to resign so that President Biden can appoint a successor, you see all of the religious liberties that we've been talking about here, as well as countless other fundamental constitutional rights at risk. And that is really um, why the left is fighting so hard to water down and adulterate our uh, Supreme Court. It is why when we are selecting justices, we have to be very vigilant as conservatives and why the, the advice and consent role of the Senate is very important in that regard as well. So um, it's, it's a broader it's a decision of broader import as well, and we're just beginning to see the commentary on that, Jenna. But the, the Supreme Court has been viewed by conservatives as somewhat hostile to religion and treating the uh, religious liberties aspect of the First Amendment as less protected and almost like a, a, you know, sort of a subordinate right compared to the rights to protest, right to petition the government, right of the press. Uh, This Friday decision in our case is being viewed by uh, uh, sort of scholars on the First Amendment as really reversing the tide of that second-class status of religion under the First Amendment at the Supreme Court. So, I'm really excited about that as well.
1: Yeah, and I'm really excited about this, too, and I think uh, that everyone should be very concerned about this uh, potential commission uh, and their results and their recommendations uh, to court pack and to say, well, now that the Democrats don't hold that 5-4 majority on the Supreme Court, uh, that they're not getting the rubber stamp on some of these ridiculous overbroad executive orders that use the pandemic as a pretext to infringe upon a not only enumerated right but also, uh, one that we know from the text of the Constitution is fundamental, it's God given, and is, uh, is absolutely one of the highest order. So, we're going to be right back to speak uh, with Hermite Dillon more about the Supreme Court, uh, this decision, religious liberty in general, and also about Biden's commission and what we as conservatives can do to make sure that religious liberty is preserved and protected, even through the Biden administration. Stay with us here on Just the Truth. Welcome back to Just the Truth. We're continuing the conversation with Harmeet Dillon, who is the founder and president of the Center for American Liberty, does amazing uh, religious liberty work, particularly in the state of California. So Harmeet, we're seeing uh, headlines of of churches in Canada. For example, on this headline, I have here, Grace Life, the name of the church, has become the first underground church in Canada as hundreds of cops continue to guard their building. I mean, this is forcing churches underground. We uh, juxtapose that with the the great victory that you and uh, the Center for American Liberty uh, have had in the Supreme Court just this uh, over the weekend. And where does America stand in the midst of this fight for religious freedom compared to a place like Canada, where we see that we're really just one vote on the Supreme Court away from an endorsement of these types of ridiculous overbroad actions like what Canada is doing?
0: Absolutely, Jenna. I mean, I feel triggered when I see the images of a church in Canada being surrounded by fencing, uh, as has been done there, and it reminds you of the founding of this country. Literally, this country was founded on the premise that the state cannot tell people how to worship and with whom they may worship, and yet today we see governors around the country telling us exactly that, telling us that we may only worship during the majority of this pandemic, uh, in the most populous states by Zoom, which doesn't really work for baptism for some of our faith communities that require communal worship, like my own Sikh community, uh, and, and you're seeing the driving underground of churches, which is what we see in Iran, it's what we see in China, it's what we see in totalitarian regimes around the world where people are being forced to, to choose whether to worship openly or to potentially risk imprisonment or worse. Uh, This is unacceptable in a civilized world. And now that we know more and more about the COVID restrictions, we realize how ineffective some of these draconian lockdowns have been and how much people have been stripped of their need for faith and for community at the very time that they needed it the most. So with us being one vote away, um, you know, I want to say that today's a day that I'm giving thanks that there are so many donors out there who supported the Center for American Liberty, our three lawsuits, the Thomas More Society, in which we collaborated with one of those lawsuits, and a handful of other First Amendment organizations that fought for these rights around the country. And like you said, it's been mainly in the blue states um, where the shutdowns have been the worst, but actually some some states that are run by Republican governors have imposed similar restrictions. They haven't been that different. And so this is not a part as an issue to me. It's really an issue of where we place our faith in our daily lives and how much we are willing to sacrifice and fight for that. Um, and, you know, it was it was a time, a lot of darkness, and there were times when it looked like a very bleak fight. And so, you know, with this faith, we were able to keep fighting and been vindicated numerous times this year. Um, I'm grateful for that opportunity.
1: Yeah, and I think that one of the things that America uh, has learned, uh, really, really targeted uh, throughout this whole pandemic or the alleged pandemic, that we're seeing that uh, freedom is just one step away from the government's arbitrary infringement. And so all of these things that were done, you're right, it was um, probably the most egregious was by Democrat governors um, for the most extensive time period. We've seen some of the rollbacks of Republican governors, but Republicans even did that under the auspices and the pretext of the pandemic. And so um, this goes back, Harmeet, to the idea, the very foundation of freedom and liberty, to say that the government doesn't always have uh, the ability to restrict individuals from choosing themselves what risks they want to take in society. And so we've seen um, just throughout the, the litigation, and full disclosure to everyone watching, um, I'm special counsel with the Thomas More Society. Um, Harmeet and I have both been um, involved in a lot of the litigation in California. Um, I work with the Thomas More Society um, as Council for Grace Community Church, which is one of um, the the, uh, the churches that's represented through the Thomas More Society, so this is very you know this is something that I'm personally involved in as well, and we've seen throughout this litigation. Uh, that the the California health officials haven't had to justify their arbitrary health orders. They haven't had to say anything except, well, this is what we currently think is best. But they haven't had to justify it based on the science, based on any sort of metric that would say that we can go into churches and foreclose their ability to freely exercise their religion on things that have to be done in person. And so, Harmeet, when people are saying, well, what's wrong with Zoom? Uh, what's wrong? With- Church isn't just a building. Uh, what's
0: your response? to those types of arguments. Well, think about that for a second. This state, although you look at the beaches and the coast and the high population zones, you think, oh, everybody there in high-tech California must have the internet. Au contraire. Um, There are millions of people in California and throughout the United States living in rural communities who don't have access to the internet. Uh, That is a reality here in this country. And even so, if they had access how many elderly people in our communities are familiar with using Zoom? What if they're alone? Um, this is, it, is, it, is, it is a argument from privilege, to use a term of the left, that people can simply substitute a Zoom call for their faith. I mean, in my faith, for example, people gather, we pray together on people who are sick. We um, have uh, community singing. Now we could all sit separately and far apart as certainly nobody in a religious community wants to see anybody physically endangered, but there were so many ways to handle this. I mean, the first lawsuit that we did was actually, the Gish versus Newsom was out of the fact that the state was persecuting people who drove into a parking lot and worshipped sitting in their cars in a parking lot with their pastor standing in the parking lot um, praying. There's no safety issue there. It was simply government overreach and really almost fascistic uh, response to this faith community need. And so the government quickly rolled that back, but then they put up series of hurdles there. Meanwhile, any of us can walk into Costco throughout this pandemic and do whatever we want there. There's no enforcement of these capacity caps or any of that. Businesses are making more money than ever if they're high-tech businesses. And we should never allow fundamental needs in our communities to be substituted through these technological means. They are alienating, they're not real. You cannot hold the hand of somebody gloved or otherwise. And so I, I for one, um, pledge to continue to fight this type of overreach because if we let the government tell us how to worship. We also let them tell us how to do so many other things in our lives. I mean, Governor Newsom shut down protest, one of the lawsuits that we did at Center for American Liberty. He shut the beaches to punish Orange County when he didn't like the fact that Orange County was trying to uh, buck his restrictions on businesses. He shut restaurants while allowing the Hollywood lobbyists, who are his friends, to lobby for uh, dining exceptions for Hollywood film crews. So uh, it's almost evil the amount of double standards and hypocrisy that we have seen, and only by the grace of having some judges on the courts that agree with the fundamental First Amendment rights that we're talking about here were we able to stave it off this time. But imagine if we had three justices or four justices instead of five. The results would be very different. The shutdowns would be endless. And there would really be no relief for people of faith who've been denied these rights for a year.
1: And that gets us into the discussion about Biden's commission and this whole idea of court packing, because although we as conservatives can be advocates for judicial reform, and I think there's a lot that can be reformed and should be constitutionally uh, with the court's practices, this whole idea of court packing isn't about uh, getting to a, a better or more perfect uh, court in the in the sense that the Constitution would uh, would strive for in the goal of the Constitution. This is all about activism. This is all about the Democrats and Joe Biden wanting to pack the court to say we want a rubber stamp on all of these overbroad and extreme, uh, not only federal government regulations and arbitrary executive actions, but also on the state level. So uh, from the perspective of this commission, what's your view, Harmie, on where the Biden administration is going? I mean, we know that it's not uh, bipartisan, that's ridiculous at best, but with these recommendations, uh,
0: what do you see Congress doing with them? Well, it's very interesting. And I think that what the president has done here is, is 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 He's responding to the left wing of his party, which is now increasingly the mainstream of his party. But at the same time, I... Hope he's realizing that he doesn't have the vote. So I think he's actually using this commission to kick the can down the road, like many blue ribbon panels in history have been used. Uh you saw Harry Reid come out earlier today. Harry Reid, who's the architect of Democrat Doom, by eliminating the filibuster for uh, you know, some of these important decisions that are made in the Senate, he came out today and said, I don't think they should tinker with the court. It's fine the way it is. We shouldn't be talking about term limits and certainly not increasing the numbers. And so I think even Harry Reid, the architect of that bad decision by Democrats, is pulling back from it and warning them what will come if they somehow attempt to use a filibuster and remove the filibuster to cram through any reforms to the court. I don't think they have the votes, but again, we are you know, one or two senators away from doom in this country. If something happened to a couple of senators we couldn't replace them with people with similar viewpoints, we would have an opposite result here. You might have 20 Supreme Court justices, or you might have term limits of eight years, or you might have some other cockamamie idea that has nothing to do with protecting the Constitution, and everything to do with aggregating power into Democrat hands. Um, and, and frankly, eliminating our ability in our country for citizens to vote for different outcomes. If we have election laws slanted, if we have the doors to the courthouse shut, if we have no independent and, and sage arbiters of the Constitution who we can rely on, we don't have our freedom in this country, which is given by God. So you are really talking about a recipe for unrest in this country if we continue down this radical path, because people are not going to accept this. This is a center-right country. People are not going to accept the government telling them how to worship, how they may live, whether their business may be open, and whether they have the right to educate their children the way they want.
1: Yeah, and I'm so grateful, Harmeet, for uh, for your efforts in this and to continue to push back against the radical left. And uh, quickly here in the last minute that we have, uh, where do you see then the Supreme Court going with these uh, restrictions? Because we've seen now, you know, you have this win on uh on religious freedom as far as the caps but california has still said that it's going to enforce social distancing and masks where we've seen that there's a lot of businesses i mean right now i can walk into any uh you know any box store and i don't have to necessarily be socially distanced the one-way errors have been removed so isn't that even still discriminatory
0: well, I think there's a question between enforcement and 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 what the actual regulations are i think that you would find a lot of deference to the type of restrictions you're talking about here but even that's going to fade with time the next litigation fronts are going to include vaccine passports they're going to include businesses like gyms saying if you're not vaccinated you can't come here there are public accommodation laws in this country and so i foresee that to be the next wave of litigation is the sort of corporate force being right. used to impose government mandates. And we'll, otherwise we'll not talk about that when we come right
1: back here on Just the Truth.
0: Delve into the shadows of the mind
1: with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Continuing the conversation here on Just the Truth with my friend who is the founder and president of the Center for American Liberty, Harmeet Dillon. So Harmeet, we were talking just before the break about the next uh, sort of wave of lawsuits uh, that we're going to end up having to file uh, because of the government cracking down on uh, American freedom and liberty, like vaccine passports. So where do you see that argument going um, as it relates to the U.S. Constitution and our liberty?
0: Well, I think when the government began talking about vaccine passports to be able to travel around in America, you saw a big backlash, including to a certain degree from even the liberal civil rights community, the American Civil Liberties Union, which has been uh, largely absent from the struggles over civil rights in our country in the past year, did pipe up and say that they have some concerns about that. So, um, you know, I think you're going to see some litigation here. What you are seeing a very interesting development over the last couple of years in this country, which is... Governments understanding the restrictions that courts will impose on the government on limiting our liberty to talk, to participate in social media, to move about. And they're shifting the burden of enforcement onto corporations. And so what you are now seeing is corporations, gyms, uh, probably other retail establishments are going to start saying that if you're not vaccinated, you can't come in. Well, that's hugely problematic legally because we have Uh, A lot of people who have religious objections to vaccines, for example, some vaccines are manufactured using fetal cell lines, which violates the rights of some religious folks who disagree with the use of fetal parts for uh, human experimentation. You have people with health reasons why they can't get a vaccine. You have people with religious objections to getting vaccinated that are independent of the fetal tissue issue. And so these are all reasons why for example you know we have businesses that try to prevent people with different faiths or different races from dining there the same legal standards apply to discrimination on people on the basis of their health status or their religious beliefs and so at the same time the government is saying oh we're going to be aiming for herd immunity well herd immunity applies a certain percentage it doesn't imp- imply a hundred percent. so if we're trending towards herd immunity which is what the biden administration has been talking about, there actually is no need for every single person to be vaccinated and if you know you're wearing a mask and that mask is effective, why do you need other people to be wearing it you know so I think we're going to start running into some of those legal issues in the states. Um, so we are in for a lot of litigation there. But fundamentally, United States Supreme Court has ruled that we have a right to travel. We have a right to bodily integrity that, you know, conservatives have sometimes decried when it comes to abortion rights. But we have the right not to have the government uh, do some of these things.
1: Yeah, and I think also uh, it has to be said as well that why are we looking at just uh, vaccinated people when we get to herd immunity, when we see how many people have had the coronavirus and then recovered. And so they have antibodies, which are just as effective, if not more so uh, than the vaccine. And so when you're talking about that, I mean, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that people who have been vaccinated or have uh, these natural antibodies are out wearing masks. and And somehow Dr. Fauci has no idea why why, you know, Texas and Florida haven't seen these surges. I mean, the science just doesn't back it up, Uh, but it seems to be, Hermie, just a tool of the manipulative left that's saying we want to continue to enforce all of these restrictions just to prove that we can get Americans to comply. And so these lawsuits are going to continue to be very important. Um, But I want to pivot here with uh, just a few minutes that we have left with you to talk about California specifically and your experience with a now vice president. President Kamala Harris, because I think um, what really wasn't uh, said as much as it should have been during the 2020 campaign was just how much uh, she has promoted a lot of these progressive activists, leftist policies uh, when she was um, in litigation there in uh, the state of California. And you've had some firsthand experience with that.
0: Absolutely. So uh, many years ago, I represented a religious plaintiff, uh Singh Oberoi, who was denied a job in the California prison system because of his turban and his beard. Kamala Harris uh, was the attorney general at the time, and her office fought vociferously and really scorched earth against Mr. Oberoi's case until... We got up too close to the trial, and I managed to get national publicity around this case, including from even some people in the liberal civil rights community who stood up on my side. And she settled the case, and the state had to pay my client and also hire him. That's her. That's her history with religious litigation and discrimination. It is a very bad one, uh, and she has usually been on the wrong side of these civil rights issues. And so. Um, she has also flip-flopped on many issues, including marijuana legalization. She has gone to court to try to put truant, the parents of truants into jail at the same time that she's now promoting bail for violent felons who are committing crimes in our cities. She's been on every side of any issue, depending on what is convenient for her political future. And I think you're going to see that being borne out now in her positions as vice president. Some would even say the shadow government in our country, because clearly President Biden has some uh, limitations in his ability to manage all of these issues that are before us. So I think it is very scary when you look at her record, persecuting pro-life activists currently being prosecuted. One of my clients, uh, David Daleiden, Center for American Liberty, uh, a, a client uh, as well. And so we are really seeing some tyranny uh, that, that she has wrought in California that I hope doesn't come to our federal government, but the signs are not good based on the trends of what they're trying to do right now.
1: Yeah, and I think that a lot of people who are uh, pro-life advocates, they're familiar with uh, David Delighton and his undercover work with Planned Parenthood, but aren't as familiar with uh, how Kamala Harris was involved. Can you
0: explain um, a little bit more about that Sure. Case? Center for Medical Progress is the company uh, that David uh, founded, the nonprofit, And he went undercover with some other uh, citizen journalists to expose Planned Parenthood's rumored fetal part trafficking practices. And in uh, hundreds of of hours of video, he managed to do just that. And so what the state has now done is um, really uh, crack down on that religious liberty in such a way that, um, sorry, on on that journalism in such a way that these uh, citizen journalists are actually being prosecuted by the state for violating California's wiretap laws. This is the first time in California's history that a journalist has been prosecuted for the wiretap violations. And so uh, David and others are fighting for their freedom right now in court. And now that the courts are opening back up, we're gonna be seeing a trial uh, in in the coming year, potentially of uh, David and his colleagues for the crime, the thought crime in California of exposing actual criminal practices by these uh, National Abortion Federation and Planned Parenthood. In fact, David's journalism led to prosecutions uh, of uh, fetal trafficking companies in uh, in, in different states. And so this will be a real First Amendment tragedy of freedom of the press and freedom of speech if this goes the wrong way in court. -hmm. And this is why it's
1: so important that we have a conservative majority on the U.S. Supreme Court. And this isn't just because we say, okay, well, Republicans win all the time or Democrats lose all the time, but genuinely conserving and protecting the rights that we know are God-given. And so, Harmeet, uh, where can people, uh, when they look at this and they're listening to you and they're saying, you know, this is so frustrating just to read the headline. Sure, I can, you know, repost this on social media, but to really get involved um, through either donation or other activism, uh, what is the best way that people can reach uh, both you at the uh, Center for American Liberty um, and donate or also otherwise get involved uh, to help the advocates for genuine freedom?
0: Well, thank you for asking. And uh, the Center for American Liberty is one of the great organizations that's been doing this work. Uh, I founded it. And I can be found on Twitter at at P-N-J-A-B-A-N. That's a great way to keep up with what we're doing. And the Center for American Liberty can be supported at www.libertycenter.org forward slash give. And we are so honored to be able to do this work with the support of citizens uh, like your viewers. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And um, with other cases that are coming up in the few minutes that we have left, um, what are some other things that uh, you're anticipating that uh, people can follow and uh, can anticipate from your litigation?
0: Well, I think I mentioned the vaccine passports. We are also seeing a, a crackdown on freedom of uh, students as well as professors on college campuses. That's going to be a big front in the litigation. The woke culture and the cancel culture is another one. Uh, we are representing at my law firm and uh, you know, will be at the Center for American Liberty as well, potentially, people who've been fired from their jobs for uh, particular political viewpoints, which is uh, very problematic. And we are seeing corporations band together. Just over the weekend, there was a conference call of 100 corporations who are talking amongst themselves how to effectively frustrate the voices of state legislatures and the people in the states to change their election laws to protect the integrity of our elections. That's cartel-like behavior and antitrust behavior, in my opinion. And if we are able to find antitrust violations in that behavior that's designed to thwart the people's will, you can expect lawsuits on that front as well. So uh, every time I get up in the morning and look at the news, I think of things that the government or corporations are doing. And it's really just a matter of how much support we get and other organizations like ours get. The sky's the limit, and we need more lawyers in the fight fighting these fights, whether they do it on a volunteer basis or a, I call low bono basis, doing it on nonprofit rates, or frankly, doing it pro bono and hoping to get attorney's fees back from the state, which may happen in some of this religious liberties litigation. So in any event, this is why I went to law school. Uh, It's a real privilege to be able to represent people of faith, people who are challenging the government, whatever their views are. Lawyers like myself and others like you, we serve a very important function in our society to make sure that all sides are heard and all sides are protected.
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Hermie, for the great work that you do. And um, I wish you much success and thank you. You're one of my heroes in the law. And I know that you do this uh, because you are genuinely fighting for freedom and liberty and the right of every American uh, to make sure that we can exercise our sincerely held religious beliefs and also all of the other fundamental rights that need to be protected in this country so that we don't end up like Canada. So thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you, Jenna. Thanks so much. And we'll be right back with more of Just the Truth. If you want to hear more about uh, Joe Biden court packing and the truth about judicial reform and the truth about judicial supremacy that you may not have heard, I did an hour-long podcast on Just the Truth that's up today that you can go and uh, listen for more to continue the discussion. We'll be right back with more on Just the Truth. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. welcome back to just the truth and we have some breaking news today from just uh, the news editor in chief john solomon and the headline today is zuckerberg group gave detroit 7.4 million to dramatically expand vote in key, uh, in city key to Biden win. So John, uh, what is going on in Detroit with election integrity?
2: Well, it was going on everywhere in the country. Mark Zuckerberg dropped $350 million into the election, but not into PACs, not into candidates, not into parties, not into the things that are regulated by the Federal Election Commission. He created a nonprofit, and he gave money to the election judges, the election administrators, the people who are supposed to be new neutral arbiters of the 2020 election. And what did he ask him to do in return for that money? He asked them to go out and whip up the vote, get, more, get out the vote in Democratic strongholds like Detroit, like Milwaukee, like Madison, Green Bay. So all across the country, Philadelphia, Atlanta. Uh, this money, in the name of COVID relief, uh, was essentially uh, used to get out the vote in Democratic strongholds where Hillary Clinton underperformed in 2016 against Donald Trump. And Mark Zuckerberg's money comes in and now there are these words that you can look in the Detroit document, which uh, Detroit's probably the largest recipient we've found so far of this money. $7.4 million in one year is a lot of money by any standard. To put it in perspective, the whole city's election budget was only 20 million, uh, excuse me, $13 million. So this is more than 60% of the normal allotment that it gets for a whole election season. Uh, but what did they were supposed to do? They were supposed to dramatically increase voting in the city of Detroit, which, as you know, goes about 80%, 70 to 80% Democrats. So bring out the Democratic vote. Uh, these election judges were put into a position of having to deliver this to get the money. And as a result, they probably helped deliver... Joe Biden, the election victory in November 2020.
1: Wow! And so there has been some responsive uh, legislation to things like this, like in Arizona, for example. Right. Uh Governor Ducey just signed legislation. Of Last course, week. the uh, <laughs> and of course the left is saying, "Oh, this is just about you know voter suppression and some yeah. of those things." But
2: what's the truth? Yeah. The truth is that uh, the federal election code never imagined a scenario where money would go around. The candidates around the political parties, around the political action committees, the 527s, all the different entities that people already have to influence the vote or to pay for get out the vote and registration drives. They never imagined it would go directly to the neutral judges, the neutral administrators of elections. And so some states are beginning to take action. As you, as you mentioned, Arizona last week uh, probably picked, uh, passed the strongest uh, ban on foreign money, or excuse me, uh, uh, private money going to election uh, officials, election arbiters. Uh, Georgia has a similar ban, a little bit looser, but not not that bad. Clearly cracks down on this practice. How bad can this get? What what is the corrupting influence? Why should someone be concerned that money went to an election uh, city instead of a PAC or a political action committee? Green Bay, Wisconsin gives us an extraordinary example. The city election clerk, the county election clerk, Brown County, city of Green Bay, we bumped aside. They were basically told, get out of the election. And they let a liberal activist basically run the Election Vote Counting Center, have the keys to the center days before Election Day. And uh, you take a look at some of the emails that have been uh, b- brought to light through Freedom of Information Act requests that we've been able to get. And they'll say things like, why are we letting people who have nothing, who know nothing about the rules of Green Bay run the election? That's a great question if you're an American voter. So this money not only engineer to get out the vote operation that clearly benefited Democrats, it actually pushed aside, in some instances, neutral professional election administrators whose job it was to run the election, and they were cast aside, at least in Green Bay. So,
1: so this is basically like saying, if we're analogizing this to baseball, which we know that you know MLB is... We're, we're not fans. We're all boycotting that with President Trump, <laughs> right? So, uh, but, but to analogize it, this would be like uh, giving money to the referee instead of giving yeah. money to one of the teams,
2: right? 100%. And then maybe getting the manager out and putting the other team's manager in charge of the other team i mean literally just moving them out of the way um there is serious ethical concerns about what happened here and so the fact that arizona is taking some action the fact that georgia took some action already uh, there's some talk of wisconsin particularly with this green bay situation that the legislature there is going to try to take some action uh pennsylvania there's some early discussions all the battleground states were targeted with this money and the question is will those legislatures stand up and say you know what We didn't pass any laws. We didn't authorize this money. No more doing this. We're putting an end to it. Two states have done it already.
1: And do you see, uh, have you heard of of any of the Republicans who are saying that uh, they're going to look at this uh, retroactively in terms of saying how did this affect the 2020 election and maybe uh, using that in the sense of election integrity?
2: Well, there's an interesting document that was left out of our Freedom of Information Act Ah. request that Detroit city officials forgot to give it to us. Oh, of
1: course. Innocent mistake Innocent
2: mistake. We won't give them the benefit (laughs) of doubt because they get another chance to give it to us now. It is the follow-up report in January of 2021 where they brag about what they achieved with the money. We'd really like to see what they they said about what they achieved in the election. That document went to the Mark Zuckerberg group called the Center for um, uh, Technology and Civic Life. And we haven't seen it in any of these enclaves yet, even though all of them were supposed to submit it, even though we have FOIAs in all of these cities and states. None of them have produced that document. My guess is it's gonna be a very interesting document. But when you go through the documents we do have, like we just got in Detroit, you hear things about you know voter drives, uh, a get out the vote, targeting specific ethnic minorities like the Hmong, which is an Asian uh, minority in, in Wisconsin, uh, the uh, Hispanics, African Americans. Uh, All of these were constituencies of the Democratic voting bloc that put Joe Biden in the office. And it's really weird as a reporter to see these neutral arbiters of election talking about things that normally are the partisan work of the Democratic Party. I think when people look at these documents and you can download them on our site and click on them in the dig in section of each of these stories, you kind of see why this looks so amiss.
1: Yeah, and it's just fascinating to me that this happened right under the noses of all of these Republicans who they have ceded all of the authority of regulation right. from the legislative branch to the executive, and now these election officials were essentially bought off, and they kind of they looked the other way. They uh, they were now participants in the election in a way that was absolutely unfair and um, illegal in some instances, or, and now will be uh, moving forward. So. Um, looking at the Democrat response now, have you seen any response from people um, either the Democrat side or from big tech like Zuckerberg?
2: Yeah, the answer is, oh, there was nothing wrong with this. We <laughs> love course. this. We want to do it again. Those mean people in Georgia and Arizona are trying to stop us. What you have here are city officials beholden to a very specific interest and in fact if you look at the contracts that were signed between these cities and the center you find out that they were told if you don't deliver on the on the deal if you don't deliver on the get out the vote goals and if you don't deliver on the voter drives and other things we're going to take the money back so that's how beholden these cities were they really were under the thumb of a group and even if their intentions were good let's suppose the center's intention was simply to help out in the COVID pandemic because that's their their claim The idea that city officials were beholden to this money, had requirements for this money, and it was below our radar, wasn't done out and open, we had to go get these documents by FOIA, should trouble us all. When you look at the results and the bragging and the the deliverables, it looks like a Democratic uh, voter drive carried out by what are supposed to be neutral election arbiters.
1: Yeah, and this should really cast the entire... result of the 2020 election in doubt. I mean, if you had going back to our baseball analogy, if you had the referees that were essentially bought off and they called balls and strikes differently depending on the money that they received, that puts everything in doubt, right?
2: We just had this in the NHL, the National Hockey League the other day, where a referee made one comment just suggesting he might have been biased and he was bounced out of the game. Uh, this is the sort of thing that we've always expected our election judges to be neutral, uh, no, no skin in the game, no money in the game on them, and it didn't happen here. And I think that's why we're all so concerned.
1: Yeah, this is just shocking. We're so grateful, John, that you are doing these FOIA requests that Just the News uh, has the integrity of America. You really want to in- expose this, and you're one of the best journalists law in D.C., if not you. the best. That's it for this episode of Just the Truth. I'm Jenna Ellis, and we are sponsored by the Thomas More Society, which is a not for profit national public interest law firm dedicated to restoring respect in law for life, family, and religious liberty. You can find out more about the Thomas More Society in incredible work that we do there at thomasmoorsociety.org. And I will be back tomorrow and every Monday through Friday here on Just the Truth.